You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Good morning, everyone. Wonderful to see you all here. I know that uh, a lot of families and individuals are away for the long weekend, as Pastor Blair already mentioned, and possibly watching online this morning as well. So hello to you all. Hello to my family as they're on the highway right now. Uh, I hope that everyone who isn't here is having a restful time away. And um, I'm glad that you're all here, though. And uh, to th- this morning, we're going to be continuing through, through uh, Hebrews chapter 11 in our sermon series, A Great Cloud of Witnesses, which is a discovery and encouragement for us in our faith, primarily so that we can be inspired by these heroes of faith to also set our eyes fully on Christ and run the race set before us with the same confidence and certain hope they had, because our hope is in the same person in Jesus Christ. So... On that end, today we'll be discussing the second by faith statement, which is found in verse 4. So let's, let's read that. Hebrews 11, 4. It says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Though he died, he still speaks. So I don't know what your thoughts about all that might be. Like maybe you're into teen zombie movies or something. Hopefully not. But uh, I'm pretty sure that when somebody dies, they can no longer speak. Right? Uh, And yet the author of Hebrews is telling us that through faith, Abel, who was so famously murdered by his brother Cain, still speaks. In fact, the Greek word for speaks insinuates that it's written in a present tense or active form, implying that Abel is still speaking to us from beyond the grave. He's still speaking to us. Of course, this isn't literal speaking, right? It it isn't meant to be a motivating push for us to start getting into divination or, or ringing that bell or whatever they do, the call on the spirits of the dead so that we can have a conversation with Abel, right? Divination, by the way, is strictly prohibited and condemned in Scripture. Um, so don't get into that. Um, rather, it seems that we're being told here that this is, um, that Abel's faithfulness towards our, our God, as well as his unintended martyrdom for it, is, is what's still teaching us and what's still speaking to us and encouraging us even today. So he's not literally speaking. In fact, the Bible doesn't even record Abel as saying anything. But, so it's his example of faith. It's his example of faith which still speaks to us. And in the same way, our faith has the potential to speak as well. So this morning I want to ask, what, what, why does Abel's faith still speak to us today? And of course, what is it teaching us? Just a couple simple, basic questions that we're going to answer this morning. And uh, on that note, let's also make sure that we actually have ears to hear, that we're willing and ready to hear his faith speak through the living word. On that end, and and in order to get context for this encouragement of faith here, let's open up the the word to Genesis chapter 4, and we'll read all about Abel and his older brother Cain. So Genesis 4, 1 to 12. It 
Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. It's a pretty intense passage. On a, on a lighter note, some of you may have, have heard or seen via my social media feeds that uh, my family just got a new puppy. Everyone's, are you laughing at me? Uh, uh, <laughs> you should be, because they left me in charge of her uh, for the weekend, <laughs> and it's been busy. But her name is Winnie. Uh, my, my youngest son, Elliot, really likes Winnie the Pooh, and she's the same color, and so her name is Winnie. And um, she's super cute. Is there, is there a picture? Yeah, there she is. I just wanted to show you a picture of my cute puppy. Uh, anyways, back to the sermon. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, she's, she's great. Uh, she is a handful, but she's great. She's super cute. But our other dog, Taylor, doesn't really think so. Especially for the first week that we had her. To have this other, much younger dog show up and, and start hogging all of our attention was definitely stirring up some disdain and jealousy. Obviously, we've tried to, to curb that, and things have gotten a little bit better. They, they play and stuff now. But at first, Taylor wouldn't even look at Winnie. Like, Winnie would come wandering and just look this way. Or, uh, or she'd growl at her if she came near. Or, or she'd go to some corner of the house and just pout and sigh deeply. Whenever we'd give Winnie any attention at all, we'd be like, hey, Winnie. And over here, Taylor's like... <sighs> You know, like, uh, it was pretty hilarious, actually. I, I did feel a little bad for her, but it was pretty funny. But, but it just goes to show, right, how easily jealousy can take root and change our attitudes and our actions, right? Taylor is usually such a, just a loving and cute and, and good dog, but she totally changed once that jealousy kicked in. Of course, humans are worse than dogs in this. Jealousy has caused humans to do many evil things like lying, falsely accusing, and even murder, for example, especially when it's found along, alongside those with pride or ego issues. In the case of Cain and Abel, we can see clearly that Cain acted out of 
jealousy and bitterness against his brother Abel, simply because Abel's offering was approved by God and his wasn't. Sin was crouching at his door, as God says. And, and it was in the form of jealous anger. But Cain, Cain couldn't contain it. He couldn't rule over it. And none of us can rule over our sin. But Cain allowed it to fester, and he allowed it to take root. All because he couldn't stand that, that his brother was better than him. That his brother was counted as righteous, and he wasn't. And so he violently removed him from the picture altogether. He killed him. He killed Abel because of his faith. And this, this is the first lesson that Abel, Abel's faith speaks to us this morning, is blood cries from the ground. This is the first thing that cries to us. That faith in God can get us killed. Just ask most of Jesus' disciples. The reality is that, that our faith can sometimes cause others to have a reactionary animosity against us, whether it is from jealousy or from feeling condemned by comparison, or, or maybe they've had a bad experience with Christianity, or maybe it stands against what they believe and the idea that they're sinners is offensive to them. But either way, whenever someone reacts negatively or harshly to gen against genuine Christians, I can guarantee that there's always a deeper spiritual or heart issue at play, which is rooted in sin. Sin, crouching at their door. Which means that as we demonstrate our faith in this world, we can expect to come up against people who hate us for it. We can expect to join Christ in his sufferings, so to speak, because the world also hated him, as Jesus reminded his disciples. But that shouldn't stop us. Knowing this shouldn't stop us. No, no matter what, as Christians, because God is for us, because we love God, we don't fear a thing. Amen? Not persecutions, not reviling, not even death. Because as it says in Hebrews 10, we are not of those who shrink back. We stand and we persevere in faith no matter what might come our way or how people might treat us. We stand in hope because we serve our God alone. We don't, of course, we don't seek out persecution. We don't seek out reviling. That doesn't sound very fun. But we'll face it with boldness when and if it comes our way. Just look at Abel. He, he wasn't looking for persecution, right? He wasn't looking for a fight. He was just humbly being obedient. I doubt he was expecting such a harsh reaction from his brother here. I mean, I mean, it wasn't Abel's fault that Cain wasn't faithful and didn't meet expectations, was it? Abel didn't make Cain look bad. Cain made himself look bad. But yet, as is often the case with jealousy, Cain couldn't see it that way. And therefore, Abel became not only the first murder victim of all of God's faithful children, but also the first martyr for the faith, so to speak. Though, before we get ahead of ourselves, let's first ask, what, what was it about Abel's offering that God approved more than Cain's? A quick reading of that story is like, well, how come he approved Abel and not Cain? What, what's going on there? Was it even about the offering or the sacrifice? Well, Psalm 51 tells us that it couldn't have been just that. Psalm 51, 16 to 17 says, 
For you will not, this is speaking to God, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So there's no doubt that by the, descript- by the description in Genesis 4, that Abel had certainly brought forth the, the first and best of his animals as a sacrifice before God and, and the fat and everything from those animals. While Cain had seemed like it, he had only brought just you know, a generic portion of his crop, like he just grabbed whatever and brought it before the Lord. That's the impression that we get anyways, right? But, but it seems like regardless, God cared more about the motivation behind these offerings than he did about the offerings themselves. For as it says in Hebrews 4, it was by faith which Abel brought his offering before the Lord. And that is why his offering was approved. That is why he was counted as righteous. And this is another lesson which Abel's faith still speaks to us today. Faith is the anchor of God's approval for us. Specifically faith in Jesus Christ, as I'll get to later. But faith is the doorway into inheriting the righteousness of God. For without faith, as it says in Hebrews 11, it is impossible to please him. You can't just bring a sacrifice. You have to bring faith. Abel pleased God with his offerings, not because the offerings were super awesome or because they were better than Cain's, even though they were better. Right? But rather, God approved of Abel because he presented his offerings before him with a contrite and believing heart. In, con- in contrast to Abel, God despised Cain's offering because Cain presented it from a place of, uh, we assume, unbelief. Or maybe from a place of begrudgingly feeling like he was required to give up some of his crop. Who knows? But it certainly wasn't with an attitude of faith or with, or with an authentic um, desire to acknowledge the God who blessed him with a good crop in the first place. As theologian Warren Wearsby writes, Cain wasn't rejected because of his offering, but his offering was rejected because of Cain. His heart wasn't right with God. So God's approval or, or, or disapproval of them, respectively, wasn't based on their offerings per se. It was based on how they gave their offerings. It was based on faith. And so we can learn from Abel here, right? Obviously, that, that giving our offerings to God can only be genuinely done, not by religious works alone, not because we have to, but with an attitude of faith, of belief, of trust in God, with a humble and contrite heart acknowledging that God is not only the provider and giver of all that we have, but is also the only one who can forgive us of our sin and make us righteous. We can't make ourselves righteous by what we do. Only he can. That is faith. Believing that. And this is why we're, we're required to believe in Jesus by faith. He was an offering given for us. Yes, but we receive that grace through faith. Just as Abel gave his offering By faith. But on that end, faith isn't just belief, right? Faith isn't just believing. In fact, Abel's faith speaks another word for us this morning. And it's that faith will lead us to give God our best. 
faith will lead us to give God our best. So to clarify again, God didn't commend Abel just for bringing his best, but Abel bringing his best offering to God was the evidence that he already had a heart of obedient faith. That is, his belief and love for God compelled him to give his best. This is what the book of James calls faith by works. James 2.18 says, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. You can't. And then he says, And I will show you my faith by my works. I will show you my faith by my works. So this is one of the main themes that, that we'll be revisiting throughout this sermon series over the spring and summer, that, that faith is active. Faith is active. Faith is demonstrable, right? Demonstratable. Uh, and on the other side of the coin, faith without action isn't faith at all. In other words, if, if you love Jesus, you'll obey his commandments. His love will compel us to live for him to bring our best to God. For example, my wife Audrey doesn't love me simply because I make her a good, good cup of coffee in the morning, right? But I do try to make her the best, if that's the only reason she loved me, that would suck, <laughs> right? But I do try to make her the best cup of coffee every time she asks for one because she already loves me and I love her. Does that make sense? We're just trying to gain God's love by giving him something. That's not love. He already loves us. We love him. And so we bring him our best. If you love God, you'll show it by your actions. You'll bring him your best. This is the mark and proof of genuine faith. So you can say, well, I believe that only God can make me righteous. I believe that. But if we're not showing it, do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Here's the point. If, if you're not giving your best to God, the solution, though, isn't to uh, try harder or murder those who are, right? <laughs> the solution is, is to examine your faith, to ask God to change your heart. Because in the same vein, you, you, you just can't bring your best without faith anyways. Without a changed heart, without the Spirit leading you, you can't bring your best. You won't. And so if this is a struggle for you, then, then ask God to help your unbelief. Humbly, humbly repent before him and ask God to help you to trust in him more and acknowledge his love more and his grace over you. Because again, faith is always active. Faith is always sacrificial even. And, and this is the final word which Abel teaches us that I want to bring up this morning. Faith is sacrificial. And this kind of sums up everything we've already talked about. Faith is sacrificial. When we trust in God and when we believe he has our best interests at heart, we'll be willing to sacrifice not just our best at his altar, but all that we have for his glory. Everything. Abel gave his best. But what did he also give? He also gave his life. To be fair, he didn't know that living by faith would cost him his life, but it did. Literally, his own life became a sacrifice of faith. And his faithful sacrifice still speaks to us today. His blood cries up from the ground. On that end, our lives 
should speak the same word. And while he didn't see it coming, he didn't know he was going to give up his life in that moment, we should. Right? Jesus called us to lay down what? Our best, our best sacrifices, the first, first fruits? No. He called us to lay down our lives and pick up our cross and follow him. This is true faith, to lay down our lives, to be a living sacrifice for the one who sacrificed for us, to give him everything. Which means that giving our best isn't just about giving money in an, in an offering plate, right? This is about giving all of ourselves to God as a sacrifice for his glory. To be vessels for his glory. The author of Hebrews even expands on this theme uh, a couple of passages later in Hebrews 13, in, in which he explains in detail what it looks like to live a life of sacrificial faith, which is pleasing to God. And I'm just going to read the whole thing, this, most of this passage for the next part of my message. And if you think this is cheating, it's not. Because Hebrews itself was written as a sermon to be read to God's people. So why would I need to rewrite it? So as I read it, I would encourage you, especially those who are taking notes, thank you, to, to make note of all the examples of, of, of the faithful sacrifices which are pleasing to God um, that are mentioned in this passage. I have a little list at the end too, but there's probably more. So let's read this. Hebrews 13, 1 to 18. This is sacrificial faith that's pleasing to God. It says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. 
Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. That's quite the list. Here's my, my quick list of, of, of notes that I took as I, as I read that passage this week. You may, you may have noticed others I didn't, or we could expand on some of these more for sure. Love one another. Be hospitable. Remember prisoners and those mistreated. Be faithful in marriage. Be generous, not greedy. Don't be led away by strange teachings. Be bold in faith. Be led by grace. Suffer with and for Christ's name. Remember the gospel of your salvation. Seek the kingdom, not worldly ones. Praise God with our lips. Do good. Share what you have. Honor your leaders. Don't grumble or nitpick against your leaders. Please. And pray for everyone in their faith. Faith is sacrificial. It's all-encompassing. It's living solely for God's glory in Jesus' name. Faith moves us and, and calls each one of us to live every aspect of our lives as a sacrifice of praise. And of course, to continue being sanctified so we can grow more and more obedient in doing it. For if we've been saved by Christ, we'll live like Christ who himself became a sacrifice for us. Ultimately, the good news is that the very reason we don't have to impress God by bringing our best first is because Jesus already gave himself for us as our best, as the perfect sacrifice. This is why it says in Hebrews 12, 22 to 24, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Because while Abel's sacrifice garnered God's approval for himself only through faith, Jesus' faithful sacrifice was given not only for himself, not for himself at all, but for all sinners. It garners God's approval for all who believe in his name through faith. He did that for us. That is, through faith in Jesus, we now receive the blessing, the approval of God under a new covenant. Through faith in Jesus, we're made righteous before our Father. And through faith in Jesus, we're given a new heart that desires to live for him. As it says, his blood 
speaks an even better word than Abel's. It calls us to repent and find rest. It calls us to find mercy and forgiveness for sin. It calls us to lay down our lives so he can lift us up in glory. It calls us to enter into a new covenant and come boldly into the presence of God. It calls us to be filled by the spirit of truth and it calls us to know freedom and joy everlasting. Jesus' blood speaks grace and calls us to live and walk by faith. Are we listening? Or as Hebrews 12 continues from verse 25, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those of old did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the encouragement of faith that we can find in in the story of Abel and how he brought his sacrifice to you in faith and how his life was given up as a sacrifice because of that faith. Lord, but I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, whose blood speaks a better word than Abel's. That through faith in Jesus, we have a sure and better covenant. Through faith in Jesus, we are called righteous. Through faith in Jesus, we can boldly come before you with confidence. Through faith in Jesus, our heart has changed so we can live for you. Lord God, I pray for anyone struggling this morning with their faith. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lead them into truth, that you would encourage them, that you would build them up, that you would help them repent turn their eyes towards Christ so they can run this race with endurance. Lord, I pray that you would continually encourage us in our walk with you as we grow more and more, Lord God. I pray that our faith would become more obvious. That the world would see our faith and know that you are God. I pray this in Jesus' name.